0: Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 101, Exchanging Our Dreams for God's Desires.
1: Hello and welcome. My name is Lori Krieg and I am the Executive Director of Hole in My Heart Ministries. And we're coming at you from a snowy Grand Rapids, Michigan. (laughs) And I'm alongside licensed therapist, Argyle expert, and my husband, Matt Krieg. Hello. Hey, Matt. We also have our producer and, of course, the most professional radio voice among us. Or who has a fancy voice? I didn't say fancy fancy today. Okay. But oh. that's producer Steve. Sorry.
0: Oh, the pressure is on. What's a fancy greeting?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Howdy. Howdy. Yeah, Howdy. You We're go. talking to
0: a Texan. So.
1: <laughs> but today we are exploring surrendering our dreams for God's desires for us. And this one hits close to home in my own heart, to be honest with you. I grew up hearing things from Christian culture like pursue your dream, pray certain prayers and you'll get X, Y, Z and your dreams are God's dreams. And honestly, I still hear some of that today. Like you got to work, 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 go, 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 do, do, do. And then you like get your dream. I don't know. And so it it can get really confusing and it it feels like it's bordering on self-centeredness, but I don't know. I just get confused. So I'm super excited to have someone help us explore her journey with this conversation. And her name is Lauren Chandler. Lauren, welcome. Hey, Laurie. Hey, Steve. Hey, Matt. I'm so
2: excited to be with you guys today.
1: Well, we are excited to have you. And we were talking about how your name is Lauren. I'm Laurie, and your husband is Matt and my husband's Matt. So, I mean, we're already on a great start here. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. But I met Lauren at the Q conference this last year and she just seemed like a soul sister. Do you guys ever have that? Like where you just meet someone you're like, I don't know. I just feel like we need to be friends. Um, and it just kind of felt like we were wearing the same metaphorical glasses with which we viewed life. But in addition to serving there at the Q Conference alongside her husband, Lauren, is wife to Matt Chandler, and she's the mother of three. And Matt, you guys might have heard his name. He's the lead teaching pastor at the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas, and he does a lot of writing and speaking and just really appreciate his heart and voice. But precious Lauren is passionate about writing, music, and leading worship, not only at the Village Church, but also for groups across the country. And she's the author of Steadfast Love, the Response of God to the Cries of Our our heart, the Bible study, Steadfast Love, a study of Psalm 107, and the recently released children's book, Goodbye to Goodbyes, a true story about Jesus, Lazarus, and an empty tomb, which I just ordered today because I love the story of Lazarus and I love that idea of goodbye to goodbyes. So I'm excited to read that to our kids. Uh, but we're so excited to dive in with you at the intersection between the gospel and our dreams and how that relates to God's call in our life. But let's get to know you better first by answering that question of the week from last week which is what did you want to be when you grew up Lauren when you were like around 5 to 8 years old what was when you looked forward what were you
2: hoping to be well i feel like that might have changed every day but for the most part um I wanted to be a little bit, uh, I wanted to write a book. I wanted to be an author. I also wanted to be a playwright. I would write little plays for my brother and my friends to act out. I wanted to be an actress and then I wanted to sing and play music. So I pretty much wanted to be a one person (laughs) show or to at least like direct everybody else around me. So, um, (laughs) That that was
1: my dream when I was five to eight years old. Oh, that's really sweet. I can relate to some of those pieces. Uh, how about you, Matt? Can you relate? Did you want to be an actor, one man uh, band?
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> not in the You're slightest. You're because I, our I personalities
1: wanted, are so different.
3: I wanted to be nowhere near a stage. Um, <laughs> so yeah for for my Which, own...
1: <laughs> sometimes i look at matt and i go i'm so sorry if, it, if you weren't married to me i wouldn't you wouldn't be on the podcasts and stages and he's like no it's good but anyway go ahead
3: yeah no i was always more drawn to the the scientific things i wanted to be steve Irwin, honestly mm-hmm. i wanted to be like a marine mm-hmm. biologist um just because animals were so much easier to work with than people and yeah. then lo and behold god has me become a counselor <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, He knows what's up. But speaking of animals, I really also appreciated Lisa and her response to this question. I wish this was a joke, but I wanted to be a cat. What can I say? I was five and our cat had it pretty good. (laughs) A cat had
1: it pretty good. That's awesome. (laughs) A cat. (laughs) Uh, Sounds like our kids, our second oldest wants to be a tiger. Legit. Like she's basically on all fours all the time.
0: When you're five. (laughs) Yeah. That makes
1: sense. Oh yeah, it does. Steve.
0: Uh, Okay, I really liked this response to the question. Hey guys, this is Danny from Flagstaff, Arizona. So when I was around seven years old, Space Jam had just come out, and I was so inspired that I decided I was going to do whatever it took to play in the NBA. Unfortunately, whatever it took was actually pretty
2: challenging, and I ended up retiring from basketball right after elementary school with
0: (laughs) a career scoring total... Of two or three baskets, <laughs> yeah, so when he started talking about seeing space jam, I assumed, oh, he was like me, he wanted to be an astronaut. Uh, no, no, he went a totally different direction <laughs> with it, but yeah, that was what it was for me, you know i would I'm a little older than you guys, so the big space race and like especially like the moon landings, when I was really, really super little, like some of my earliest memories are like footage from guys walking on the moon. So, yeah, I wanted to be an astronaut. Aww. Now, when I started to grow up and get tall, people expected that I would play basketball, but not athletic at all. In uh. fact, I got like passive aggressive. I'm like, "Sure, I'll play on your team," and then I was terrible. And Aww. then I didn't get asked anymore, and that was <laughs> fine with me.
1: <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, that's another episode yeah, want to yeah, be. Okay. <laughs> I liked Allison's response. She said she wanted to be a detective, which I definitely wanted to be a detective (laughs) when I was five to eight. I was reading them Nancy Drew books, and I'd like make my own passport, and I just wanted to solve crimes. And I really like being a parent to little kids because I can relive those things. And yeah. currently our most common thing we're playing is my daughters are Carmen San Diego and her tiger friend. Cause again, Juliette wants to be tiger. And I'm Carmela <laughs> San Diego. Carmen San Diego's mom. I don't know. We're just going with it. And <laughs> I'm kind of living out my dreams. Ahem lauren back I to you loved
2: carmen san diego that was one of my favorite games to play yeah. at school on the you know really huge basic computers yes. that we had totally <laughs> i was literally thinking about that before
1: recording where you had to do like run like you had to like type yeah. in run exe i don't know what you had to type in but yes. to make it go on ms dos oh yeah
2: yeah oh yeah and i remember that where in the world is yep. Carmen San Diego? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you watch the I game show too? Yes, I did. They'd win like
1: huge TVs or like a map, which if they like lost, they get like a little map. Yes. Uh, Oh, that's so good. (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks for playing along with us in this question of the week, but let's dive a little deeper into the heart by asking you the set of questions we ask every guest, which is about the gospel. And if the gospel is, I am more loved than I can imagine and yet more sinful than I believe, when was that gospel first good news for you? And how is it still?
2: Gosh, I was thinking about the answer to this question. And and I can think of like three major points in my life where it was kind of an awakening to the truth of the gospel. I remember being like seven or eight years old, and there's a sweet woman that lived behind us Older woman, and my brother and I would play in the backyard. And one time she called us over to the chain link fence and just wanted us to come close. And she looked at us and said, You are so sweet to one another. Y'all play so well with one another. I just love watching you guys interact. And I remember looking at her and thinking, You have no idea. Mm -hmm. Like, I am so mean to my brother. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not kind. I'm not sweet. Like those are tiny moments compared to, you know, what's going on in my heart. And so I think that was the first time that I was, um, I realized the depth of my sin, just even at that age. But I knew, you know, I'd heard every Sunday about Jesus love for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, as a college student, um, I, I can remember um, there was a woman that worked at our church, and I really respected her and really looked up to her. And I had this dream that she was just kind of telling me, kind of pointing out all my sin in mm-hmm. this dream. But the, at the very end, she quotes First John and says— "Um." You know, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And what's crazy is I know I'd read that verse before because I'd studied the Bible. I'd been, you know, a, a Christian at that point for um, probably 10 years, um, but I, I don't remember memorizing it. So it was really interesting how that was brought to my attention. And I remember that collision of. I am sinful. I cannot do this. I cannot be perfect. But gosh, I am so loved that He makes a way for me. And then uh, kind of the more recent awakening has been, um, gosh, after probably about 14, 15 years ago, after my my son was born, um, just really struggling with identity stuff and and again, the Lord just breaking through, showing me the depths of my sin, that I was i was a, a glory thief, that I wanted glory for my own, hmm. um, for me and not for Him, and to use the things He'd given me for my glory, not His. Um, but He met me with the gospel. I mean, the gospel of the good news of Jesus being enough, that He did it all for me, you know, hmm. that all my best efforts will fail, but He will never fail. And so... I know I was saved when I was eight, and when the, that I, something happened. Then, but it has been just this process for me of awakening, um, it, just having that gospel clearer and clearer and clearer, and, hmm. and just having to believe it again and remind myself of of the the goodness of God, um, my sinfulness without Him, um, and His great love for me.
1: Hmm. So good. So you've really just answered both of them and really just how it impacts you now. Um, but I, I'd love to just hear a little bit more just about that, that journey, Lauren, just of, you know, you alluded to this. I wanted to be kind of a one man band of like, you know, this performer that's got you know, what, a yeah. triple threat, quadruple threat, whatever it is. <laughs> um, how did that take shape in your growing up? And, and when and how did God essentially interrupt you?
2: Yeah. I always had a fascination with kind of celebrity or um, being an actor an actress or um, just being famous. That just sounded so amazing. Just who, that people would like you. Who were you like? Who did you admire looking like, to? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. When I was a kid, it's probably like Mariah Carey. Oh, yeah. I loved her. Um Gosh, I'm trying to think of others. I I mean, it just didn't even matter. I would just pretend that I was in a music video in my room. Mm. I'd make my brother take the... the camcorder and film me doing these commercials, you know, I just wanted to perform, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. I wanted to create and then perform whatever I'd created. And so, and then it just in our culture, celebrity and, you know, fame kind of revolves around that. So, um, that's what I wanted to do, you know, as a kid, but my sweet mom was just, you know, she's wise and loved Jesus and saw that, that, that didn't always work out the best for the people that pursue those sort of things. So mm. I think she, um, she kind of kept me, she put some boundaries around me that really kept me for going yeah. for it. And, um, so instead of signing me up for theater, I was signed up for band. Mm. <laughs> so in choir, I would sometimes get the solos, but I'd get so nervous that I kind of, I would get, cho- I would choke up and then I wouldn't be able to sing the solo. And yeah. so, I mean, in a way, the Lord thwarted some of that desire in me mm. so that I never, I never got to whatever that was that I was, I was reaching for. And then in college, um, I saw someone lead worship, and I thought, that's it. That's what I want to do. I want to stand on a stage and lead people in worship. Mm -hmm. I love to sing, I was singing at church already, um, but there was something different about singing a special and leading people in worship and i think those desires were were just they were mingled with pure and impure desires yeah um i think there was something pure about wanting to lead worship and i might be getting ahead of myself and you're doing great <laughs> yep go for interview. it but yep. um i think there was something that the lord had put in me um mm-hmm. that was from him but it was really entangled with, with impure motives and with that, like I said, that, that glory hunger. And so I had focused all my attention on that. I was like, okay, I'm not going to be an actress. I'm not going to be, you know, a famous singer, but maybe I could be a worship leader. Yeah. And um, so I'd get the stage and I get to sing, I get to perform and, and create. And, um, and so I kind of turned my attention to that. But even then, Every time I would sing, I, I would hate my voice. I'd pick it apart. I was like a perfectionist. Hmm. And so I'd get discouraged. I'd, you know, kind of, ch- I would choke again. <laughs> and yeah. um felt like I kept hitting this wall with it. And I was 26 years old before um, the Lord just kind of laid me out. I'd always put these things before me, like, I'll know I'm good enough if... Hmm. And uh, one of those things had happened. I, I, I had in my mind that if this cer- certain person asked me to sing on her record, then I would know I was good enough. Hmm. And so, this person invited me to sing on her record. It was just a small little EP, and I was so excited, super nervous. And when I got the track back, I. I listened to my part and I hated it. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. like nails on a chalkboard to me. I couldn't stand it. And I think part of it is that I had wanted to sound like someone other than myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're always, we're always going to be, you know, a worse version of anybody else. We're meant to be original ourselves. God has given us the gifts the voice, all that for us, that if we would just use it, then we're, that's original. Um, and I think I tried to be someone else. And so when I heard it back and I didn't sound like someone else, I hated it. And so that's when I realized something is really deeply wrong, um, with what I was wanting and how I was going about that. And our church had just, um, opened up celebrate recovery. And, um, Matt, my husband was going to be at their kind of first meeting. They'd had kind of a soft launch. And then this was going to be the hard launch of the ministry. Mm -hmm. And I went that night and the man that taught just read my mail. Mm -hmm. And he talked about, um, a man who had, you know, wanted, to purchase this field, but it was full of weeds. And so, you know, he wanted to get rid of the weeds. So first he mows, mows over them when they pop back up and then next he, you know, tries to dig them out, but he doesn't get the roots. And and he said, you know, some of you have been mowing over those weeds and they just keep popping right back up. And some of you have been trying to pull the weeds out, but you can't get the roots. Um, you know, and, and then he just kind of, he presented you know, the gospel, like you will not be able to do it. You are powerless over that. You Mm. need the Lord to come in and pull those weeds out, roots and all. And I here I was. I was a I was the pastor's wife, young, Mm. but still the pastor's wife. And I'm sitting in my seat and my heart is pounding in my chest. And they, they offer this chip of surrender right after the message. And I could not get up. I was like, what are people going to think about me? I'm the pastor's wife. I'm supposed to have it all together. Mm. And then, um, you know, they go through these other chips to mark sobriety. And, um, finally, um, they offer the surrender chip one more time and you could not have You could not have kept me from running up there because I was so (laughs) relieved. I was like, Lord, thank you that you gave me another chance. And I mean, I basically ran up there and grabbed a chip and just hugged the woman that was up there so tight. Mm. And I came back and I mean, I just broke in sobs um, because I just admitted that I, I couldn't do this anymore. I couldn't chase this dream the way I was chasing it. i I couldn't control you know what I was trying to control. I just needed to surrender, to mm-hmm. surrender my desires, to surrender my dreams to the Lord and surrender that desire for glory and and, and admit that I can't carry that weight. It's just way too much for me, mm-hmm. and only he can and so that was the turning point. Um, as far as like the Lord just showing me that the brokenness of how I was pursuing the dreams and the desires and and things that he had put in me, but I, I just got confused and, um, and I was not, I wasn't seeking him in the midst of it. Hmm.
1: You know, Lauren, I wonder if a reason that I feel like I can relate to you is just I could relate at this intangible level because in high school, I really, I had, I felt like I got a calling from God to do speaking, teaching, writing, stage stuff. And I had a desire to do like acting and things like that similarly. And then God laid me out, like humbled Mm. me so deeply. And and even like, here, Laura, you're going to wrestle with things that the church is not okay with talking about these attractions Mm -hmm. and things. And so that was the one thing I didn't want to get on a stage about. And so (laughs) when God like called me again to speak, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I was super prideful. And then you let me like really humbled me with wrestling with things that I felt like were the worst. And so now you're like, he keeps me in this humble corner by having me speak all things I don't want to. So I relate to that. How, how did God then put you back on stages?
2: Yeah. Um, well, I went through I went through the steps of celebrate recovery and that That's was so good. Oh man. It, it's oh God, I recommend it to everyone. I, I don't it's not I think there's a stigma yeah. that it's for you know addicts. Um, and gosh, we are all addicted totally. to just different things. Oh yeah, you know, we're all broken. And, um, and so going through the steps was really humbling because uh, a lot of the questions in the booklets were really humiliating to answer mm-hmm. in a group of people I didn't know. Yeah. And so it was just like taking all these masks off that I'd just put on, you Dang. know, all my life. And, um, and then it, what was interesting is the um, man who led recovery at that time asked if I would want to start leading worship at recovery. Mm. I'd, I'd taken a break from kind of the other places. And
1: because of this, like you just got so <laughs> hammered with your own, I guess, like the tree yeah.
2: of your of this dream. Yeah. Yes. I just, I, I took myself out cause I was like, I'm not okay. And I, I need to figure this thing out. Mm. Um, and so, um, you know, he asked me to start leading and I was like, Lord, I don't understand why you would trust me with this, mm. but I'll do it. I'll do it. And, and I, um, I, I'm just going to cling and cling to you in the midst of it. And mm. so, um, I started leading at recovery and, to this day, it is my favorite place to lead worship mm. because everybody comes in there broken and hungry, and um, and and I think I love it because you know, a lot of people come and they don't know what they're getting and they don't even know what they need, but they know they need something. Mm -hmm. it's almost like a privilege to get to sing on their behalf, Mm -hmm. um, to sing these prayers to the Lord, to praise God on their behalf. Um, and in faith that one day they'll get to sing them to you and they'll, they'll mean it. And Mm -hmm. I even said that a lot from stage, like you might not, be able to sing these words with a clear conscience. And I want to say, I totally understand that. And I want to give you space so that you don't have to sing these words, but I want to challenge you that you could just sing them as a prayer of faith that God, I will one day be able to sing these songs with a clear conscience, you know, yeah. that they're true. And so um, that is where the Lord started just shaping me and giving me, um, keeping me humble, shaping me as a worship leader and really I started to see the people instead of instead of being the focus of the people, you know. So when you're on a stage as a worship leader, it's real easy to perform and think, OK, I'm I'm here so those people can. see and hear me when in reality as a worship leader, we're there. I'm concerned about the people we're leading so that we can connect with the living God who's among us, you know? And so I think it was, it was just a remaking, um, of, of just my attitude and my perspective on what leading worship actually is.
3: So follow up question. Do you, When you think back on that kind of first instance when you were asked to lead worship at at Celebrate Recovery, which is, you know, it's not on a stage. Well, I don't know if it's on a stage physically, but it's not like this place where there's this immense amount of like you're going to get accolades and people are going to expect you to look and act a certain way. Here you are like broken and opening yourself up in the middle of this group of people and, and honestly developing a very strong connection and safety within that group that they've seen the worst of you you know, they've seen all the brokenness and, and therefore does that give you the ability to go up on that stage or in front of the people without having to like, it's, it would almost be like they would, they would visibly see you put on the mask. If, if you started to become like just quote unquote worship leader again, as opposed to actually Mm. engaging in worship.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I think because I, um, I had been so broken. I I think there was probably a difference in my worship leading at mm. that point. Um, and so I I think most people could see a difference. Um, and then I, I did just try to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even how I led was really different um, after going through that uh, than, than before. Before, I would just kind of perform a song where— um, Leading worship at Celebrate Recovery, I um, I, I felt like I came up there unmasked and um was really honest with them and hopefully believable. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was. Uh, yeah, Lauren, can you does that answer your question? Yeah,
3: a hundred percent.
2: Okay,
1: Lauren, can you help me because I'm I'm picturing myself. You know, even reading an Instagram post or hearing a sermon or an inspirational speaker or whatever, like where it's like, God put dreams in you. You need to go and pursue these. Like, I I feel like inside of me, I just go, Ew. whereas mm. when I was like younger, I'd be like, yeah, he did. I'm going to be awesome. But now I just mm. I don't know. There's something in me that's just like, does he? So, so what's your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I definitely think he does. Now, I don't know if that's true for everyone. Like I don't know if the thing that you think God's put in your heart that your dream is from him. Um I think the way that you can tell that is are you willing to be open-handed with it? Mm-hmm. And are you willing that maybe you have these desires in you. So um you know for me that that desire to be a part of um to kind of be on a stage and and to have music be a part of that. But, um, you know, it was so warped because I made me the center of it, um, that I didn't even realize that the, the Lord might've put those desires in me, but how he was going to bring that about was real different. And, um, and that it's more of service and, and for his glory rather than mine. And even to this day, I'm not I'm not to the place that I would love to be vocally or, or musically. Um, but I know that Lord has called me to, um, lead worship and he's given me some favor in that. But what I would say to someone who has a dream, has a desire, um, something that they're pursuing, I, I would say, You better be close to the heart of God. You better be praying. You better have some kind of relationship with Him. Um, You, I I think being open handed with that dream. So giving it to the Lord and saying, um, have your way, Lord. If this is from you, would you show me the way to use this? So, you know, um, whatever that might be, um, an opportunity, a desire, a dream that you would be willing to say, Lord, this is what I want. But I want to align my wants with with your wants for me Hmm.
3: Um,
2: and and just being willing to hear a no or being willing to have a door shut and seeing, okay, God, maybe you're going to bring this about a different way than what I have imagined.
1: I'm thinking of Joseph. Like, so he Mm. had these dreams when he was younger and didn't just, it doesn't seem like he was very open-handed with it, but like, it seemed like they were, you know, legit from God, but instead of holding them open-handed, he pretty much just (laughs) flaunted them. And then God kind of pummeled him, allowed suffering to make his character one that could actually hold the dream that could actually take these positions and, um, and forgive his brothers and really do a ton of healing across multiple countries. And so I, I just think, you know, he may put these things in us. Like he, you know, gave me a vision and gifting at my younger age and gave it to you, Lauren, and, um, and to others in this room. But I, I, we have to, (laughs) we have to be the right vessels. And I think the only way we can become the right vessels is suffering. What do you think
2: about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just, I, I don't, I don't see it any other way. And <clears throat> pardon me, even if you do kind of get a taste of your dream before the humbling. Yeah. Um, I, I think there, if you're in Christ, I think that humbling will come one way or another. Yeah. Um, and so I actually, I, I'm grateful to the Lord that, he put my humbling at the beginning and I know I'll have a humbling. So don't get me wrong. You're all done with (laughs) sanctification. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. But like that kind of that intense season, like Joseph had, you know, that intense season of suffering or humbling, um, you know, kind of coming before. So, so that, like you said, He could be the sort of vessel that could carry what God wanted to give him. Mm. And um, and so I I think you're you're right, Laurie, that um, there is a humbling that happens. And to anyone listening, maybe you're in the midst of that humbling and you're like Joseph and you interpreted a dream. You you kind of got a taste of something and you you have all your hope of, okay, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get out of this prison. I'm going to be remembered. Somebody's going to remember me and they're going to deliver me from this prison. Yeah. And you end up sitting there and waiting and waiting and waiting and feeling so forgotten. Mm. But the Lord has not forgotten you mm. just like he didn't forget Joseph. And he will at the right time open that door and um, and fulfill that whatever that dream is, um, in the way that he has in mind for you, and the way that I mean, with Joseph, it saved many. Yeah. So a lot of it will be uh, hopefully for the saving of many souls and for um, the glory to belong to the Lord. Um, and 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 who knows what other. Things might come from it, but um, that it it's worth waiting instead of trying to manipulate and make happen on your own. Yeah,
1: I want to look for a second at the people who maybe feel dreamless or aimless. Um, Matt, I remember meeting with our mentor a couple years ago, and he's like, "Matt, you have very little ambition." And that I feel like you could almost exchange for like dream. But I know you, Matt, and you had a dream. Can you, Matt, real quick, just just tell me what what happens? I feel like there's, I, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of guys in particular, m- women too, but I feel like men in particular in my circles can sit down on their dream or they had it and then they just stop. Can you, Matt, just share some of that experience? And then, Lauren, I'd love for you to just kind of, I don't know, exhort those who maybe are feeling dreamless
3: yeah well i can I mean, I can only speak for myself right and and there was just a lot of fear with having any type of exuberance you know and 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 drive for something because that's when you can fail
1: and if you fail, that means
3: and if you fail, that means well you and in my case, that meant I was a failure yeah um and and I know that periodically in in our life that has kind of come to the forefront you know, where it was this thing that I had maybe worked toward, but not really, because as long as I didn't really work toward it, I couldn't be perceived as a failure because I never really tried. And yeah. so it's like the the dream is dead, but only because I haven't tried. So there's always the excuse. And that's something that I'm still working on. Hmm. It's something that I'm still like having to to go to God because fear can easily set in, you know, when it comes to to reaching out to try and make a connection with someone to, to build a dream, like you're putting yourself out there, you're becoming vulnerable and, and you're open to rejection. And, and unless I can hold on to, uh, I guess, the value that, that God has told me that I have, if unless the person's rejection can actually mean nothing to me, there's always going to be fear associated with stepping out Hmm. um, because something's at stake.
1: How did you, how are you getting through that, Matt?
3: Well, it's, part of it is is a having people like you who who encourage me (laughs) without being controlling (laughs) that's a whole other
1: marriage podcast Um, (laughs) about how to exhort your husband without controlling him (laughs) so (laughs) eh, i don't know yeah like just telling you like i do believe in you period full stop
3: yeah full the full stop has to be there yeah um but but then i think the the biggest thing is just it's not about like trying to logic myself into like why my dream might be worth pursuing or why i might be worth giving a dream like this toward it's it's more about kind of the it it can't be the focus on me Uh, like just like with lauren you could you could be doing worship leading you could be exactly where you are yet be doing it out of a heart that is kind of shifted back toward yourself as opposed to toward God. Like I have to make sure that, that I am orienting myself toward God, which means spending time with him and, and really loving his call mm-hmm. because he has given me a call. And that is a call that only I can do. And I can't diminish it because it doesn't look maybe the exact same way that I envisioned it when I was you know, five years old or 25 years old or five days ago. Hmm.
1: So the solution for the, I guess, prideful, for lack of a better term, and then the fearful is God. (laughs) Is that what I'm hearing? Is His, is really staring at Him. What are you thinking about this, Lauren?
2: Yeah, I think, gosh, I can even identify with some of what you shared, Matt, just that that fear. Um, And so even thinking, being too afraid, to uh pursue a dream because like you said, i if I fail, I'll feel like a failure. Yeah. And um and so yeah, I think um, you know, there are those of us who we have these grandiose dreams and desires and everybody knows what they are because <laughs> we tell everybody. <laughs> and then I think there's some of us that, some that have just small dreams, you know, and, and not small in any other sense of just maybe just quieter about it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I think there probably is just a whisper of desire in each of us for something. And I think it's all different. And I think we would measure that differently, you know, um, but that, um, like Matt said, just looking to the Lord for uh where has he put you what has he given you um and and how can you use those things for his glory and um to definitely make sure that your orientation is not on you but and 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 accomplishing whatever that is that God's put before you um in the time and place that you are but that you're your focus is on him and his value and how he um, says you have value that it has nothing to do with pursuing or achieving your dreams, but just being loved by him. Um, And, and that really that's all that we're, we're after is to be loved and we have it in him. We're loved. We're called love. We're called sons and daughters um, in him and, and all the other stuff that just kind of right, around that is 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 just extra it's just icing on the cake um but more than anything to just to be loved and to believe that we're loved by him and then to see those dreams desires or the things he's put before us if we feel like we don't have dreams or desires but he has put us in a place uh with certain people to do something for his glory um that that we wouldn't get that confused that that uh, we're loved because we're His um, and not because of what we do.
3: Mm.
1: I just sense maybe just a prompting to ask this because I've actually been asked um, through the podcast. Some people have asked, does God make expendable people, for lack of a better term, or just people Mm. who are just supposed to kind of fill in the space? Um, and I just, I want to look at them right now and speak to them. If they're like, well, but Lauren, you're Lauren Chandler. Laurie, you're, which I'm nobody, but whatever. You're like, you guys have a podcast. Like I have a hundred Instagram followers, which I feel like Instagram is kind of like, you're this cool or you're that cool. Like, it's just like a literal tangible number of like your value in this kingdom, which is just a load of crap. I mean, I'm not yeah. trying to put words in your mouth, but what would yeah, you say is. to someone who's just feeling expendable, like a background mm. character in the play and like, could you speak to them?
2: Well, in reality, we're all background characters in the play, yes. you know, that, that, that Jesus is like front and center and, um, no one is expendable. Um, the Lord created each one of us specifically and differently. And how amazing is he? Um, that, that he created you, um, as you with the parents that you had with the, with all the, you know, Psalm 139, just all the parts of you inside, outside, um, the desires of your heart, because we all have desires, um, that he, he formed you as a person. He formed your personality, but he also, um, put you in a time and a place, and that we are all, you know, made in God's image and meant to be his image bearers and his ambassadors to the world. That we would reflect his glory, that many would see us and give praise to God, that they would say there is a God and he loves me. And so no one um, is too small. No one is a bit part in that sense. Everybody has an important part to play in, in carrying his glory um, and carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth. And, you know, I had a friend who used to be on staff at our church and was in the worship department, precious man. And um, just with a restructure, his uh, job was gone. And so through tears, I just told him, man, you have always been, he's a great worship leader. He's a great songwriter, but he consistently put others before him and put others out on stage. And he, um, was always in the background and even kind of his exit was a little bit in the background just for different reasons. Like there was no, nothing wrong that Mm -hmm. happened. Um, and I remember thinking, you know what, we're those of us who are on stage, who people sing who have Instagram followers, um, we're kind of getting part of our, our, our due. like we're getting the praise of people where there's going to be a day when that man, um, his name's Jeff stands before the Lord and the Lord's going to, he's going to say, well done. And that is going to be more than A million followers on Instagram, Mm. Um, and and I believe that there is there's something there's going to be something special I believe for those people that did things in obscurity Mm. where no one ever heard their name. Um, I I just really believe I feel like God is like that where He takes the obscure, the small, the easily overlooked, and He makes something. He 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 glorifies that you make something beautiful and big out of that.
1: Yep. And that was the price of the podcast was what you just (laughs) said. So beautiful. And yes. And thank you God for prompting me to ask that because that mm, that's exactly, that's the heart of God is he, he doesn't see numbers. He sees hearts and looks eye to eye and, amen and amen. And I just, I can't wait for that day Just sometimes when I get discouraged or down, I just picture there's going to come a day when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord and the ground literally is going to be level and it's going to be so awesome. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, thanks so much for opening up your heart with us to us today. And, um, just just being vulnerable and lifting up Jesus in, in opening up
2: some of your heart. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been a sweet time.
1: Well, guys, if you want to connect with Lauren and just to check out some of those books, including her children's book, I can't wait to read it, um, as well as her site and other things that she's doing, uh, we'll connect you on the podcast episode page. And guys, uh, if you like what you hear, uh, we appreciate hearing from you. You can either email us at podcast at hmhministries.com or a five-star review on the Ola Tunes or anywhere else that you get this uh, podcast. We'd really appreciate that. It just helps other people to find it and it's just meaningful to be honest with you. It just, it blesses our heart and we don't take it and drink it for breakfast. We don't take your joy and your, your happy thoughts uh, and drink it. We just, we really try and lift it back up to Jesus. Um, So thank you for those. So our question of the week for next week is, what's the best part of the Thanksgiving feast, in your opinion? Which, if you guys are in the States, you you know that Thanksgiving food. But if you guys are not in the United States, what's your favorite holiday food? We want to hear that. Um, maybe we'll put on recipes. Maybe we're now a food show. I don't know. Maybe that's what we do. Now, I just want to hear it, and maybe we'll get into some battles. And if you want to debate the best way to to roast a turkey... <laughs> We can do that again. I think that was episode, season one, we did that. Um, But guys, we so appreciate your listening and caring. And um, it's just great. Just thank you, Jesus, for this ability to do this podcast and make him look good. Um, So guys, we love you. None of you are small people. None of you are expendable. Um, We're just grateful for each of you. I really want to say in Jesus' name, amen, but that's not what we're doing. But for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we'll see you next week. And amen. I'm like just tired. Anybody else? Yeah. Tired? <laughs> like a tired day.
0: Well, we had some flakes of snow earlier. I know. Mm-hmm. Snow is this Two episode day. Those yeah. are intense. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, for you, <laughs> I, I'm sitting here agreeing like, yeah. It's so, <laughs> hard.
1: but you also have like a job where you're on the radio the yeah. whole time.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, not the whole time, but awesome.
3: anyway. So,
1: nice. any songs that you like right now on the radio?
0: Yep. What one? I can't think of them right now. <laughs> you're <They're> not Christian. <laughs> I'm like I said to our music director, are we are we going to add anything from Kanye's new yeah thing?
1: I haven't listened, she but was... I'm sure it's
0: great. My youngest is big into hip-hop, mm-hmm. and also my wife. So <laughs>
3: surprised.
0: The, I know. The day no. that, that- Dropped. Dropped. Where did I see it? We, we met up someplace after I got off work, Yeah, and she just came in guns blazing. Oh, this Kanye is so great. We are listening to it all the way here. Aw. Yeah. That's cute. Talking about the Chick-fil-A <laughs> song and all that. Anyway. <sighs> I
1: don't I, know. I have Everyone hasn't heard a single
3: song. Yeah,
1: we oh, need to because we don't do a... anything except blanket dances.
0: <laughs> you could set one to a, uh, <gasps> a Kanye, Kanye song. song. Let's
1: do it, man.
3: Yeah, I don't know that I want to. I, I do. It's okay.
1: Don't do the controversy. Just love the people.
3: Kanye controversy. <laughs> Kanye controversy. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. It. It's not like a. I. I literally. The only song of his that I know of is Love Lockdown or whatever, right? Oh, yeah. from oh like I, don't know, from yeah. I don't know. That's from
1: 25,000 years
3: ago. I don't know. I just, I have not followed him or his story in no. the slightest. So I feel I like to jump on the bandwagon or whatever, it'd yeah. just be like I, I really, I'm, I'm glad he became Christian. Right.
1: Why don't you doubt his faith like everyone else?
3: Just I kidding. Like All I right, don't. we should call more. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. And because <laughs> we'll, every let's everyone just else is perfect, let's put a pin in that.
0: Yeah. We'll We're going to put a pin in it. <laughs> right there. Here comes.
1: Boot. Whatever. Bolt. Bolt. Oh,